Welcome to week three of the Eastern Fantasy Football League podcast. I'm here with our dear leader, Sean, the commissioner of the league, and I'm here with my co-host, Calman, owner of the Fidili Special. Super special. We also have a very special guest for you this week, the winner of our week two Primo Hoagie Game of the Week. Boy, it's not a hoagie. It's a primo. The owner of Super Mario Sunshine. He's an OG member of the Eastern Fantasy Football League, dating all the way back to 2009, 2010. Yes. He's also the cousin of Sean, John Liu. John, how are you doing today? Hey, uh, you know, I'm doing good. Um, I'm happy that I'm here. And, and, you know, it's all thanks to my uh, drafting and, and just setting up the lineups. It's the reason why I'm here. You know what I'm saying? John, you had a lot of pressure uh, this week. You know, being the game of the week, I think you probably had a little bit extra attention on your matchup. I think everybody looks at every matchup, but but yours had, you know, a little bit more visibility for, for most of the league this week. So a lot of eyes on you this week, and you came up big. Um, I guess a little bit about you for the league to know you. What was it like growing up with Sean? Man, Sean, you know, we would always just bull back in Virginia when he would come visit, he would he would just come down to Virginia and with uh, other cousins in this league as well. And we would just play football together and we'd play, you know, we would just like just bull, play some video games. NFL, NFL Street, NFL too. Street. Yeah, some ten- Mario Tennis. Shit, it was fun. Hey, and we used to play Mario Superstar Baseball. Actually, one time... Sean kicked my ass. It was like a mercy rule. It was like 12-0. I was so sad that one that one time we played that game. He kicked my ass. But, yo, but, you know, it was nothing but good times, man, with all the cousins. That's always great to hear. And I think, uh, you know, the, being the first inaugural winner of the Primo Hoagies uh, game of the week, we are very happy to have you here. Happy to have an OG member of the league take it away as well. So, you know, Thank looking you. at Thank your you, team, it, it, pretty much at this point, did you have any strategy going into this week? Um, yeah, my strategy was simple. It was I originally wanted Jamal Williams to pop off because, like, I thought it was gonna be like a revenge game sort of deal. Because you know, like he was he he's a member of the Detroit Lions, but last season the Packers they didn't sign him, so I thought he was gonna go off. So that's why I wanted to start him as my RB two. He didn't really deliver, but I'm just – so, honestly, my team kind of underperformed to my expectations, but I'm just happy that Albert's team just completely just threw up. They're like His team just got 80 points or something, so I'm just really thankful that Albert kind of sucked ass. <laughs> <laughs> you were one of the big bidders this week heading into the season. You had outbid me actually by a dollar on Elijah Mitchell. Ooh. He was by far the top free agent this week. With um, Raheem Mostert going down for the season, or not? Was it Raheem, Raheem Mostert? Who yep. am I getting mixed? Yeah, yeah, yeah Raheem correct, Mostert yeah. going down for the season, uh, or at least it looks to be that way. Are you at all concerned with the slow start he had this week after how much you spent? Um, no, I'm not concerned at all because like, I'm an Eagles fan, so like I know that the Eagles' rush defense, like they're they're like really good. So like they they also like bottled down Mike Davis in Week One against the Falcons. And Cordell Patterson, they didn't do, do too well. So in week two, that's why I sat Eli Mitchell because I knew he was gonna pop off or nothing like that. But hey, guess what? 
um, Trey Sermon, like his first carry, his neck almost snapped. I almost thought he died on That's the rough. field. Yeah. And and you got Jamichael Hasty. He he he's got like an ankle injury. And actually, out of all the four running backs, I think um, the person Eli Mitchell. He's probably the healthiest. He has like a shoulder stinger, but he should be good to go for this week. So, you know, when I'm making my adjustments, adjusting lineup and all that, I think Eli Mitchell got to deserve to be a starter. And so I'm not really too concerned about you know like his performance and also. I do have, you know, only like the FAAB is like, you know, I only have like $58 left to spend. So like, you know, we got to spend it wisely and stuff. But the trend about fantasy football, I feel like there's always every season, there's going to be a James Robinson. You know what I'm saying? So like, and that's when it's like the early season hit us or in which case, if a star running back just gets injured and then, you know, like a handcuff, like Alexander Madison or a Chubba Hubbard. Very good observation. I know your cousin, the commissioner of the league, had some questions regarding you know your strategy just heading into the league this year. Sean, did you want to take over? Yeah, John, to backtrack a bit, did you have a strategy going into the draft, and did that strategy change as the draft wore on? Yeah, I definitely had a strategy because um, I just realized this is the first league that I've been playing that's like completely kicked out defense and kickers, mm. right? So like I was like so surprised. And I, it's also the first league where I see a super flex. So right then and there, I knew I, I need a hit on my quarterbacks because a super flex allows with the quarterback position. So I saw a lot of other teams, they didn't really play that deal, like such as Albert. Like, I'm not trying to pick on Albert, but this man had Jared Goff, dude. And he picked Jared Goff <laughs> later in the round. I knew that I had to pick my two stud quarterbacks no matter what. Lamar Jackson, he fell to me, and I was like, dude, I got to pick him, dude. Like, even though Chris Collinsworth, he was kind of flaming him on Sunday Night Football, like when Lamar did like a jump pass, Chris Collinsworth was like, I think that's the only, like, Lamar probably throws better jumping than, like, you know, standing in the pocket, which is kind of true, but, like, I don't know. But, like, it's just the rushing touchdowns. But at the same time, quarterback positions, every touchdown is six points. So it actually levels out the runners and also the throwers of quarterbacks. But I kind of lucked out with Lamar Jackson because he's also, like, a running back too. And the second round, I was either going to – I wasn't going to do quarterback, quarterback because I would have been screwed from a running back, but – Maybe looking back at it, I probably could have done that and been been okay because Saquon Barkley has been nothing but disappointing. But at the same time, it's been an early season. It's still an early season, and he's still getting in the groove from his ACL injury that he suffered last season. So my strategy heading into the draft was just to select, you know, get my studs at quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. Like, I'm a big believer in Jalen Hurts, and that's because I'm an Eagles fan. But I'm kind of concerned with his week two performance because they just ran the ball way too much, and it just didn't really throw the ball like in the middle of the field. Great response. Great response. So, John, I had a question for you. Yeah. So our, our fantasy league here, it, it went through a long duration of not being active. What did you do during that time to, to keep your fantasy football skills sharpened? <laughs> Man, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I was I'm in a league with my uh, with an I'm in another league with uh, my other friends and stuff. So I, I'd be participating in that. Last season, it was when it got kind of intense because, uh, you know, um, we'd be putting some money down 
And, you know, I kind of, we just, we just be kind of be playing. And I, what I would do like in preparation for this, like how I have so much knowledge. So like, uh, I just, I have a lot of free time in my hands. So what I do is I just go on Reddit. I'm browsing, I'm browsing the r slash fantasy football. I'm looking at that like every day. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at sleeper news alerts. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the r slash NFL. I'm just digesting so much information from all the teams, and I get I get I get a sense of what's kind of going on. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome, man. So you so you play a lot of fantasy football, like in different leagues, then? Nah, I only have. There's only two leagues I'm in: this league and like one like other league with like. Ah. Okay. Awesome, yeah. man. John, you mentioned your favorite team is the Eagles. They looked very impressive week one, uh, as I'm sure most of the league is. Uh, a little bit of a setback week two. What's your thoughts on the Eagles for the rest of the season? Um, I think it, I think this week is going to be very telling if it's going to be like a 2017 type of season when you know week one they did they freaking thrashed the opponent, but week two they kind of you know. They they left some they left like a lot of money on the table, but maybe that was a good wake up call you know for them. So I think this week is very telling. If they struggle again, then I think it's gonna be like you know a down season. You know like like maybe like you know what we thought they were heading into like what a lot of majority of fans thought they were heading into the NFL season. But if they do good, then there's a lot of promise. I think they could easily make the playoffs. John, if you had to pick, uh, who do you believe to be your most important player on your team? Who would that be? And I gotta go with uh, Lamar Jackson. He's probably like my most important player. Yeah. It's still early, and I, would, I was gonna ask. On top of that, what do you feel was your biggest home run in the draft, and what was your biggest regret or miss? Biggest home run probably has to be. Jamar Chase, I got him pretty good. I got him pretty late. So like, um, and he's like my wide receiver three, and he's been performing actually better than my wide receiver two, and also my flex. And my the biggest disappointment so far, probably, um, and it's not his fault, but Gus Edwards because he like you know got injured and stuff. Rest and, in you know, I, oh I no! Had to, There's a man. Jamar Chase had a a pretty rough preseason so now I I think he's got back-to-back weeks with touchdown catches uh, both of which have been uh, pretty long touchdown catches I think both were over 30 yards if I'm not mistaken so uh, good Mm -hmm. snag there rookie wide receiver making an impact early Um, John I had one final question is a hot dog a sandwich (laughs) yes yes it is Okay, there you have it, folks. A hot dog is a sandwich. Uh, Sean, Cowman, any other questions here for our MVP of the week here, the Game of the Week winner? Um, I just want to say that I'm really upset that you picked up Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, he, he outbid me by a dollar. So That was quite the, the chase. Seven out of 12 people bid on him. He yeah, was my, my butt is sore from that still. And he won by a dollar. I looked at that. I look, I looked at Dak or um, Dak, and he said it was like forty one, right? And then I, and I looked at mine, forty two. You know, th- those are things that you know us guys like. We just like, 
you just got parasols on the back for that shit. So that shit, like, man. It was a, a great bro. finesse. It, it really yeah, was. Great yeah, great finesse, exactly. Would you, you know, at this point, you're two and zero. You're one of two teams that are two and zero. You're leading the division uh, currently. You know, what is your message to the league? Message to the league. Um, you know, like I want this shit, man. I want this fucking trophy. Like I, I'm fucking reading Reddit every day, man. All right, you guys better come prepared. I mean, I, I be don't be making mistakes though. You guys be picking up people from the waiver while you be dropping actually good people as well. So don't be making that mistake. But other than that, you know, good luck, good luck to the rest of the season to everyone, and also especially Albert. You know, I kind of, you know, I didn't mean to, you know, kind of thrash on him for his week two performance, but I hope he does well in the later in the season as well. Hopefully, I see all you guys in the playoffs. Absolutely, yeah, John. So. I have Absolutely. a feeling we'll probably have you back on here again. Very, very well-rounded team. Great win, and thank you so much for joining us. All right, yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, thanks Ben. John. Yep. Thanks, John. So our next segment, taking a look at the week two matchups here, we had some good ones. Uh, I'll kind of go down the list here from what I have on my screen. My team, Mary had a little CD lamb beat the Fidelity special in a Monday night comeback. Uh, we had quite a few of these, it seemed, this week. Uh, I think I had less than a 10% chance to win. I think, uh, Sean, you said it was a, a, about 8%. Yeah. I was down 37 points heading into Monday night. Uh, tough loss for Fidelity. Who will start the season? Big chunky Ben. Big Oof. chunky Ben. Oh, right. Oh, big chunky Ben. But it is Fidel. Oh, it is Fidel. Cameron, you got to change your profile picture. <laughs> big, chunky, big chunky Ben starts the season 0 and 2. Luckily, it is a long season. The Trash Pandas had the inverse of that going up against the New Jersey football team. Sean had uh, what seemed to be an insurmountable lead, and Christian just had Aaron Jones. Who I mean, back to back Monday nights. If you were watching it anything like I was when I was watching Darren Waller tear me apart, they just would not stop giving him the ball, oh and God. it seemed like that last night. Uh, it was just unbelievable. So what a comeback that was, uh, Sean. I'll, I'll let you talk about it if you want, but I'm not sure that you want to. Man, I I thought I had it in the bag. I had a 99% chance to win going into Monday night. I already had the power rankings pretty much set with me winning. Uh, yeah, and then I had to redo it. Rankings. Yeah, you yeah. know that hurt having to shift yourself from <laughs> wherever you may have been. Probably would have been at least uh, number two or three, I would think. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then fell, uh, but but hats off to Christian. You know, he, great comeback by him, and uh, you know, definitely, definitely very. Uh, it's a rare feat that you'll you'll see a comeback that big. These division games, these first two weeks, have been a lot of fun, and we get more division games next week as well, so it should be exciting. Uh, the Goodfellas going up against Team Patrick Stone. Team Patrick Stone won in a pretty good margin there, 153-34 to 126. Highest so, score of the week. Highest score of the week, yes. A great job to Team Patrick Stone. Brother um, versus brother. Oh, that was the bad blood. Both teams starting one and one. Um Fidelity Special, our co-host Calman, the real Fidelity Special, going up against Taylor Made, Brandon Tambori. Calman was the leading scorer. Team looked to be dominant week one, and it still may be dominant. You know, fantasy is very week to week. Uh, but you did post the lowest score here. What are your thoughts on that? Anything, Calman? Uh, it's concerning that I scored 
a hundred points less this week than I did last week. <laughs> I mean, that's really terrible. But honestly, with my team, I feel like it's going to be boom or bust per week, just with the players I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, famous Jameis, no free crab, uh, crab legs this week. He sucked ass this week. Uh, the whole Saints team kind of sucked this week. Um, yeah, just it's terrible. I, I feel like I just had a lot of underperformers this week where I feel like a lot of my players overachieved last week. So it's really going to come down to, you know, I'm going to live and die by how my quarterbacks play. Mahomes did good. Winston didn't. So, yeah, I'm kind of kind of stuck. Yeah, I, I have Kamara, so I know I pay attention quite a bit to Saints games. And, yeah, they, they definitely underperform. Do you think that, like, uh, Rob Gronkowski heard you double down last week on a <laughs> podcast and he took it kind of personal? Mascot? Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm a, I'm a man of bad takes, and I, I stand by them. Um, <laughs> I was, was going to ask, will you triple down on this podcast that he is a mascot? Uh, Rob Gronkowski is like a major cuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> awesome job, Brandon. Brandon, I had you winning this week. Uh, uh, I did so as well. Great job uh, to you there. Uh, taking the division lead, one of two teams at 2-0. and oh. So awesome job, Brandon. We also had Joe Buck yourself under Get Strapped. Take down the Wideout University. Uh, Wideout University has had some, I don't want to say disappointing wideouts, but I guess kind of disappointing. I, I guess you'd hope for a little bit bigger scores here, but unfortunately an 0-2 start. I think yeah. you have a nice roster, though, so he'll look to bounce back next week. And that was um, down to the wire. It was basically tied going into Monday night, and it was only TJ Hawkinson versus Devontae Adams, and Hawkinson uh, beat out Adams. I... I Hawkinson and um, Aaron Jones had to have won. I can't even imagine how many leagues. I was like looking on Twitter, and I know Matthew Berry tweeted out, you know, tweet me if (laughs) these guys won you your league, and I saw some ridiculous scores. So unbelievable. And then as we mentioned, the winner of the Primo Hoagies game of the week. Boy, it's not a hoagie. (laughs) It's a Primo. Our previous guest, John Liu. Took down his brother, Albert Lou. And again, uh, the second cousins, 2-0 yeah. team. Oh, Cousins. Cousins, second 2-0 team. <laughs> Looking at the weekly report, as you saw, the best manager was Get Strapped at Go Buck Yourself. Uh, he had the best perfect possible lineup and scored the max points possible, 137.3. Sean takes the worst manager of the week, only scored 81%. Of their perfect possible lineup. Sean, that is a scary number, though. Let me tell you, even though you didn't start it, a, a possible score of 180.04, I think that would have beat Kalman's score last week. So, uh, yeah, it Sean, was like people like Ruggs going off, and I wasn't going to start him over, you know, like Cooper. Yeah, you can't. Uh, hindsight's 2020. I think your team will be fine. Uh, Brandon Tambori won the biggest blowout by a margin of 67.5%. I won the narrow victory, margin of 0.6%, less than a point. Both of my games, week one and two, have been by less than a point. Uh, unbelievably close. I can't take another week of that. So, uh, Cameron, I hope I blow you out next week. Um, the high score, as we mentioned, Patrick Stone. And the lowest score, Cameron Molnar. The overachiever was Patrick Stone. He overachieved his projection, 132.86 by 15%, scoring that 153.34. And, Calvin, you were below expectation. You missed your projection of 131.62 by 41%. Oh, it's disgusting. 
a big swing, but we'll see. So looking at the power rankings after this week, we have um, John Liu at the top. He is number one. He is the EFFL Game of the Week winner and now top dog in the rankings. Uh, Sean, did you want to give us the list from 2 to 10? Yeah, we have Taylor Maid at number two, who's the other remaining undefeated team. Brandon Timbury, great statement win over Kalman. Um, oh, at- no. <laughs> at three, we have Christian Castle with the New Jersey football team with that huge comeback win um, with Aaron Jones. Rest in peace, myself. Um, at number four, we have me, the Trash Pandas, Sean Rail. Um, only dropped out one. Still lead the league in points after two weeks. So, you know, despite the loss, uh, things are still looking good. Um, Patrick Stone beat his brother Jeff to move up to number five. And uh, he is on the game of the week this week for, oh, maybe that may be a spoiler. Um, week uh, number six, we have Jeff, his brother, who Patrick just beat. Uh, only moving down a little bit, but still scoring a good amount, so hasn't moved down much. Um, at number seven, we have Albert Liu. Miles as well suck me golf. Um, <laughs> tough loss in the game of the week, but uh, team still looks solid. And then number eight, we have our co-host, Kalman Molnar, yeah. with the Fidili special. Um, tough loss, but we'll see You know, if we're going to get week one Fidili special or week two Fidili special in week three. Uh, number nine, we have Dakota Orf with Mary Had a Little CD Lamb. Um, didn't climb at all because of the low scoring output, but um, with another win against Calvin this week, that could definitely change. Oh, uh, no. There's a man down. <laughs> at 10, we have my brother, Alexander Real, with Joe Buck Yourself. With that big clutch win against Cousin Bruno, who's at number 11 with Whiteout University. And then at number 12... Unfortunately, is Fidel Ali, Big Chunky Ben, needs to get a win. <laughs> and that is your week three EFFL power rankings. Thank you, Sean. And as you uh, hinted at there, the EFFL game of the week, the Boy, Primo Hogan. It's a Primo. There it is. Game of the week is the New Jersey football team versus Team Patrick Stone. So. We have the MVP frontrunner, Kyler Murray, taking on last week's leading scorer, Derrick Henry. And the two top scoring teams, week two, combat for first place in the East Division. So this is like the fun week, I think, because this is where, you know, you might start to see teams break away um, mm-hmm. a, a little bit. I mean, not really break away because you'll probably at max only have a, a one game lead, um, maybe a two game lead. But as we start getting into the season, I think you really know what you have fantasy wise by like weeks three, four, five, um, and then it can always go from there. I mean, even if you started 0-2, the last fantasy championship I won, I was 8-7 and seven and, you know, snuck in on a wild card and somehow won the championship. So if you get hot late, you know, that's that's really what's important. But in terms of, like, seeing who's going to be legit and, and who may fall to the end, you know, we'll start seeing in the upcoming weeks. But it should be a good one. Um, any fantasy surprises for you guys this week? Um, really just the fact that my whole team shit the bed. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I, I didn't know if I was going to win. I didn't think I was going to get trounced the way I did. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I 
Matthew Stafford, I think, is just a godsend in L.A. is is what it seems. He didn't have the biggest week this week, but uh, like Cooper Cup, seeing him on the power rankings, you know, uh, what stats he's put up has been unbelievable. Two dominant weeks, um, so he's definitely benefiting. Derrick Henry had a huge week this week as well, 44.7 points and three touchdowns. And uh, Tennessee with a bit of an upset there at the end. Tom Brady continues to just be Tom Brady. Um, five passing touchdowns against the Falcons. Falcons kept that game a lot closer than I thought it would be, though. Yeah. So I guess credit to them. And that just goes to show, too, like the NFL, even the bad teams can, you know, mm-hmm. challenge the top. Yeah. I, I mean, there's just every, everybody in all the players are just so good. You know, it's. Mm. It's not like the NBA where you get a ton of blowouts. They happen occasionally, but you know the Texans week one. Everybody thought they were going to be the worst team in the league, and you know they looked surprisingly not bad too. So, yeah, you know, and they hung with Cleveland for for a little while until uh, Tyra Taylor went out. Yeah, and and Baker went down for a little bit in that game. So um, that you know that was looked to be winnable. So yeah, you never really know. I I mean I I think um, Sean, your bold prediction was the Rams were going to be the one seed. I think I'd probably agree with that. Seeing week one and week two, um, I just think they're probably the most well-rounded team in the NFL. Yeah, the yeah. Chiefs get upset. They look very yeah. beatable. Um, they just keep teams close. You know, like looking at betting and like DraftKings and things like that. They never cover the spread. It seems like uh, games that you think are a lock with them never appear to be and. I don't know. Um, Patrick Mahomes still, obviously, uh, you know, I, well, this year, I don't know. Uh, he's definitely one of the, I think he could make the argument for one or two best quarterback in the league, but I think Brady's got that currently. Um, but I don't know. The Chiefs just look very beatable. I, I don't know that there's a team that looks extremely dominant. I think everybody's looked beatable through weeks mm-hmm. one and week two, but I, I think the Rams have to be the most well rounded team in the NFC. Um, in the so AFC, them and the Bucks. yeah, the Bucks uh, obviously very strong. Um, the AFC, I don't know. I mean, the the Ravens look pretty good. I I, I think they were kind of counted out with all the injuries they had in preseason, but um, the Ravens have not looked bad. And again, they get that big win on Monday night too. I love the decision to go for on fourth down late in that game instead of punting it back to Mahomes. That won in the game. That was. You know, a, a lot of you know old school football be speak is like, oh, you got to punt the ball. But when you have the cheats code of uh, Mahomes and Kelsey on their side, you're basically <laughs> punting to your death. So I, I loved how they went for it. Like I'd rather pick up a yard with Lamar than have to play defense against uh, the Chiefs. I, I I agree. I liked it showed like John Harbaugh on the sideline, like Lamar, Lamar, you want to go for it. You know, seeing him ask, I I seen that clip replayed a lot. Yeah. I heard him yeah. talk in the post game too about it and how he was saying, you know, the entire sideline was saying, "Go for it, go for it." So, like, how, how much that one little small decision, how that probably just shifted the momentum for the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, small things like that—that's like a season momentum shift, not just for the game. So, um, John yeah. Harbaugh, great coach. Uh, yeah, I, the Ravens, they, they seem to be there. I mean, they're playing very, very tough. Um, I'm looking at the schedule and just some of the other games. The Packers uh, came back, and I, I thought they were going to bounce back, as I'm sure most people did. The Bills bounced back as well. They were uh, they didn't look very impressive week one, but again, week one, a lot of teams I, I feel like are still finding their footing coming off the preseason, but they blew the Dolphins out 35 to nothing. Um as we said, the Panthers, they beat the Saints by a large margin. Um, the Eagles, same thing. I, you know, I, I'm, 
I don't know. I, I noticed a lot this week of teams only needing one yard, and I really don't know why you don't just run a QB sneak every single time. Yeah. I, <laughs> like It's a guaranteed one yard. Oh, and yeah. I was thinking of that because watching the Eagles game, and when they're down on the one-yard line, and they wound up going four and out, and the Niners got that huge momentum shift, the entire time I'm like, why don't you just run a QB sneak from the one? It, it, you literally get run a yard. four times. You cannot. Yeah. yeah, you are guaranteed a yard every single time. It blew my mind. And like how some of these coaches, I feel like, just get a little too cute. I don't know. That's an experience from Sirianni. I know Mahomes got injured a few years ago in a QB sneak. Uh, you know, the Colts for a while would bring out Jacoby Brissett when they needed a Hail Mary or like a QB sneak. So, you know, if you're worried about it, bring in the a backup I think the QB. Chiefs did a. Uh- they, they put in their backup tight end on Sunday night for a QB sneak. So there you go. And it I worked. Mean, it, it, you can't, you're guaranteed a yard. You fall forward and you get it, you know? So it just really yeah. blew my mind. I don't know why teams don't do that every time, but. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they've, and even the, the play calls they designed in the, for, I guess they called in, in that, you know, that sequence, it was not good. I think uh, I was listening to uh, Brian uh, Baldinger and uh, he was just showing like how there was not really any routes. There was no receivers to throw to on that like Philly special. The only route was Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. and he was covered right off the bat. The, the big thing with that, sorry, um, did I come? Were you about to say something? Oh no, no, you're good. Yeah, the big thing with that is, is the big the element of surprise is what makes the Philly special work, right? So usually it's it's throwing to a QB who no one expects to be running around. You know, Nick Foles, Tom Brady. Um, Matt Barkley when it, for, it was first ran a few years ago, but the defense is accounting for Jalen Hurts, you know, at all times because of his, his legs. So they're always going to have a man on him. Yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. And when you bring in Greg Ward, who's not a starter, clearly you know something is going on. You know, I mean, that's a dead giveaway too when you, when mm. you see him come in. So yeah, very good point, Sean. I, I, it's, it worked because Nick Foles, nobody expected him to go out and catch a pass. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know he's a, a gadgety type player, so yeah, very very bizarre. Um, trying to think of some other good games. Like I said, we saw the Seahawks or the t- the Titans upset the Seahawks. That was a close game. The Bears, who uh, I thought were going to be one of the worst teams in the league, we did see J- um, Justin Fields come in this game. Uh, they were able to hold off the Bengals. I thought the Bengals had that one. The Cardinals and Vikings was like a game out of Madden. Kyler Murray, <laughs> who I think is the EFFL. MVP leading yeah. candidate right now is just looking like a straight video game. Some of the moves he makes, but that was unbelievable. Gus Johnson, that was his first game uh, in the NFL in 10 years or 11 years since 2010. Oh, I didn't even CBS. know that. It's Gus Johnson's back. Oh man, yeah. he was always the best. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I can only imagine some of the calls he had with with Kyler. Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one. Oh my god, the the best was. Uh, uh, Kyler was like dropping back, fading away on like fourth and with forever. It was fourth down, and he threw it to Christian Kirk, and he was like, ah! and like <laughs> <laughs> having a connection. And then um, when the, Greg Joseph missed a field goal at the end, it, it was basically like the equivalent of like a walk off home run. Like <laughs> he's like, oh my god, he missed it. <laughs> It's, I love having him back. It's been too long. Poor Vikings. I feel like they can't catch a break. No. <laughs> We had the Cowboys win in a tight squeaker after uh, a very odd series of events on that last drive, that that last 10 seconds. I think Mike McCarthy said something to the tune of the play clock went out in the stadium. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, I would imagine there's multiple play clocks. I do follow on Twitter Babe Laufenberg, who was a, a Cowboys backup long ago, and he does like I think I don't know if he's like a he's not a beat writer there, but he's involved in the organization at some point. But he did say like the stadium doesn't feel like a football stadium, mm-hmm. and he actually said the same thing. He did see what Mike McCarthy saw, but you have to imagine like I, even if it goes out, I mean, being able to identify where the clock is, but I, I don't know. But uh, Zerline. With a bounce back after last week, I did not think he was making that kick. I, I was fully was convinced. He bailed the coaching staff out. Big, big time, time. Big time. It, it, that, that game didn't feel like a game that the Cowboys typically win. I mean, I think they said it was the first time since 2018 they won a game without scoring 30 points. Um, the defense looked surprisingly decent. Um, yeah. They looked middle of the pack, which is really all the Cowboys need with that offense. They just, you know, they can't be having the defense put them in two, three score deficits, you know, by the first quarter, second half, like we saw last year. So Cowboys Eagles Monday night, that's going to be a good one. I know we're all excited for that game. Um, (laughs) It's going to draw a lot of Cowboys home opener. Uh, Those games are always close and tight. So looking forward to that. I actually took off Monday to make sure Uh, I should probably take off Tuesday too, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As we look to week two, uh, anything you guys are looking for or any storylines that came up? It's Wednesday as we record this, or I'm sorry, it's um, Tuesday as we record this. So this will be out for you guys by Wednesday. But uh, quiet week so far, just concerning the Cowboys-Eagles game. I know Zach Ertz is on the COVID report. Um, Brandon Graham ruptured his Achilles, which is really sad. It's a tough one. That's a tough one for sure. I would think maybe with it being a Monday night game, the Ertz might be able to get back in there. I think it's two tests that are negative 24 hours apart. Amari Cooper has bruised ribs, but I think he's going to be – I would imagine he plays. I I think he probably goes Monday night. Um, Brandon Brooks is out as well. Yeah, pectoral injury, which could be – On the IR. Yeah. Yeah. So Landon Dickerson going to be stepping in. It seemed like there were a lot of injuries this week, but uh, oh, a ton, yeah. players came back in. Like it did. I mean, there were a few that were like season-ending. Like I know we had the Eagles, but like I know Baker Mayfield went down. Carson Dalton. Wentz. Yeah, Dalton went down. Carson Wentz has two broken ankles <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, are um, they broken? Or are they sprained? I think they're sprained, but um, I mean, it, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> Deontay Johnson. Pick. Um, Cook was injured briefly. Tua. Um, Christian McCaffrey was injured briefly. Uh, Tua, yeah. Um, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, he's on the IR now, I think, right? Damn. It's just, I felt like, like every other game, it was just like, oh, this player's out, this player's out. Yeah, it was brutal. It's definitely brutal. For those uh, that don't know as well, so we did actually see something on the Sleeper Reddit, uh, which I actually provided to Sean. Sean, I'm not sure if you used it or not, but uh, somebody made a program for NFL streams and Sleeper. So it's almost like you have the Sleeper fantasy football ticker on the game stream so you can see your points in real time. Um, I didn't get a chance to check it out, but we're going to put a link in the homepage if anybody would like to take a look at it this week. It looked kind of neat. Did you wind up using it at all, Sean, or did you check I, it out? I did download it, and yeah. I did try to use it, but I think so many people tried to use it at once that it crashed. Oh, boy. Because it, it was not loading at all um, the, the, the entire day. So I uh, will give it another shot um, next week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll put a link in the chat. It looked pretty cool. It looked like a good idea. And Sleeper is such a cool fantasy 
uh, I guess, program, uh, I think uh, probably the best. I think it's probably overtaking yeah. ESPN just with the amount of options you have and support and things like that. So, Yeah, I like it. I- I've really enjoyed it so far. It seems a lot more like interactive than the other, uh, the other fantasy apps. Yeah, because you get the weekly rewards too, which is always cool. Um, it, it, it's really cool. Our dyna- the, I'm in a dynasty league, and we use Sleeper, so I, this is our third year in the dynasty league. So, um, I wasn't familiar with the app at all, really, until then. But uh, it's it's definitely gotten better and better. Yeah, I like the nicknames that you can you can name the players. I think that's a pretty cool feature to have. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice little touch. Yeah, <laughs> I still gotta think of nicknames for everyone. Oh man, I I, I love the nicknames I pick for my <laughs> players. So I guess uh, before we get out of here, did we want to take a look at the football game of the week and I guess give our prediction on that one? So the yeah, football we could team do. versus Patrick Boy, Stone. It's a primo. Yes, it is. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a number three seed versus the number five seed. When I say seed, really uh, rank. So uh, in the power rankings, the three and the five. Um, so I'm looking at the rosters here. Let me bring it up. We have for the New Jersey football team, Kyler Murray in at quarterback. And again, this could change um, as we read this. It's pretty early in the week. Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, Stefan Diggs, Chase Claypool, Debo Samuel, Johnny Smith, Miles Gaskin, and Ryan Tannehill going up against Justin Herbert, Derrick Henry, James Conner, Adam Phelan, Justin Jefferson, Juju Smith-Skuster, Mark Andrews, Mike Williams, and Trevor Lawrence. Um, Pretty even teams, I think, across the board. I I honestly think these are two strong teams. I think there's some really good matchups that I would probably say... mm, There's some that I, I think have huge advantages. For example, Kyler Murray going against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, he's um, he's had to put up another 40. <laughs> he's going to shred that defense. Oh man. It's going to be a high scoring game. Justin Herbert going against the Chiefs. So, you know, the Chiefs are going to get their points, so Justin Herbert's going to have a bit of a tougher time, but he's going to be throwing the ball there. I'm not sure who I I, I no, I am very sure. I'm giving the edge to Kyler Murray on that oh, one. Oh, for sure. It, Teddy Bridgewater could crush the the Jags the, and light them up. You know, oh, imagine man. what Kyler's going to do. It's the projections are are very even. So I mean, it's a three yeah. point difference that they have, and it's fifty fifty for this game. So win zero seven yeah, difference in projections right now. Extremely close. Um, looking at the running backs, you have Aaron Jones going against San Francisco, David Montgomery going against Cleveland. Versus Derrick Henry going against Indianapolis and James Conner against Jacksonville. I, I mean, you have basically two starters going against Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry could equal Aaron Jones and David Montgomery if he gets going. Although Aaron Jones seems to be, as he typically is, a critical part of that offense. The Packers they have a few other running backs. Like AJ Dillon, although he he was a little involved last night, but he's not somebody they really have catch passes. So Aaron Jones is definitely going to get the downs. I, I definitely lean, I think, Aaron Jones and David Montgomery against, even though with Derrick Henry, I don't think James Conner is is on the same level as the other two. So, Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that um, 
that Jones could be slowed down a little bit from that uh, San Francisco defense. I think their D-line is actually pretty solid. Uh, the Eagles didn't really do a whole lot against them. Um, yeah, man, it, it looks like... I just want to kind of point out that that projection for Kyler Murray, that 28.77, that's a pretty big projection for the uh, the system to give out. Like that's, you know, it's basically almost 30 points that they're projecting that Kyler's going to have. And I, I think that's conservative. They, they under, <laughs> yeah. I think they undersold it. Yeah, I think it is too. <laughs> so, uh, man. I think that could be a 35, like Sean said, 35, 40 point game. Uh, yeah, I'd the, the only concern, you know, in games like that is Arizona gets down. up early and then mm, they, they just they run out the clock. Down. Yeah. Which could benefit, you know. That's the interesting part of this matchup, Patrick Stone. I mean, James Conner, he's sharing carries, but if they're up big, Kyler Murray's not going to be taken off running the ball. So maybe James Conner gets a few more carries than he typically would this game. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so excellent point. It'll be interesting to see how that balances out. Yeah, the wide receiver groups: Stephon Diggs, Chase Claypool, and Debo Samuel going against Thielen, Jefferson, and Juju Smith-Schuster. My concern in the preseason like rankings predictions was just, is there going to be enough to go around for Adam Thielen and for Justin Jefferson? If the Vikings keep finding themselves in these, you know, <laughs> big <laughs> scoring games where they're scoring 30 points, uh, these shootouts, there there's going to be. It, that's the way it looks anyway. Um, I'm looking. So Justin Jefferson had 10 points week one, 15 points week two. Adam Thielen had... 25 points week one, 11 points week two. So they're hitting double digits. You, you probably like your one and two to be a little bit higher, I, I guess. I don't know what the average would be, but this week they're both projected 14. They get a, a matchup against Seattle who, you know, there's like – there's certainties in fantasy football. One is that Russell Wilson is going to hit – Tyler Lockett for a 50-yard TD. It seems to happen every week. Mm. Tyler Lockett has to be the most underrated receiver in the league. I, I really do think that. But Seattle's going to get their points, so I think this could be another week where Thielen and Jefferson could get enough opportunity. Yeah. You have Stefan Diggs going against Washington. Their defense was predicted to be very good this year. It's been kind of mediocre so far. Chase Claypool going against Cincinnati. Divisional game. I feel like those games are typically low scoring. And Big Ben has not looked that great this year. And then you got Debo Samuel going against Green Bay, who Green Bay looks a bit better. Green Bay has a pretty good secondary, but that could be another high-scoring game um, if the 49ers can get their offense going. I think I lean mm, – this is a tough one, but I think I lean Patrick Stone on this one. I think I'd rather have the two Vikings going against Seattle here. Oh, man. Uh yeah, it's it's really gonna. I think it's gonna come down to to Kyler Murray and and what happens in that game. You brought up a really good point that has kind of shifted my feeling of this quite a bit because I mean Jacksonville is bad. They are really bad. Um. Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably gonna go with you with the uh, the two Vikings receivers there against Seattle. Um, and plus, I think Justin Herbert. I think he's going to put up some big numbers against Kansas City because Kansas City's defense seems like a major weakness, and I think that's ultimately what may do them in if their offense can't continue to uh, produce a ton of points. So I, I think that I think I'd have to lean with uh, Team Patrick Stone as well. Yeah, I think I agree. This is all going to come down to how many points Kyler can muster up and uh if they the game script does dictate that he ends up just running the ball um 
the Cardinals, I mean, with Connor, I think that would win it for Team Patrick Stone. Because above all else, this is a pretty even matchup. Although I do think Andrews over Johnny Smith is a big advantage, as well as uh, Mike Williams, who's been hot over Gaskin. Yeah. yeah, and then we have the other side of that matchup. We have Trevor Lawrence in. So wouldn't that be something uh, if the Jaguars have to throw a lot and he gets some garbage time points yeah. there? Ryan Tannehill against Indianapolis. Um, Derek Carr, who's been fantastic, you have to think that he might he could be in the lineup before week 10. I know he's injured, so it's going to be whether or not he, I guess he's able to come back or what his status is. But uh, I, the Raiders, how about the Raiders? They're looking very good and uh, two big they wins, are. two really upsets. I think they were, they were, I want to say, five-point underdogs mm-hmm. against the Steelers this week. So, um, And they were definitely underdogs last week too, so maybe they're for real. But we'll see. I don't know. It, this is a tough one. Uh I really don't know. I, it could be too close to call. I think if I had to lean one way, I think I'm leaning Christian Castle, New Jersey football team. But uh, this one really is too close to call, I think. I don't know if you guys want to give your input of who's going to take it, but that's my prediction. I think I'll give it to team New Jersey football team just ever so slightly. I just think that Kyler Murray and Aaron Jones combo is going to be a little too much for Patrick Stone to overcome, but we'll see. That's my prediction as well. I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Stone on this one. Uh, I think that the, I don't know, I just, I, I have a big fear about Kyler Murray now, and now Trevor Lawrence going into, uh, if he's still in the lineup by then, going into garbage time and just racking up some points against a team that is probably already has the game well in hand. So, yeah, I, I have kind of a feeling Patrick Stone might, uh, might pull this one out. It always does seem, though, Whenever there's a game, so the Cardinals are seven and a half point favorites. Whenever there's a game where it just seems like a gimme, mm. it's never it's never that easy, you know. Yeah. So we'll see. But I I, I think that scenario could definitely happen. Cardinals get up, so we'll see. But uh, that's our prediction. So um, like we said, next week one of those two owners will get to be on the podcast, and we'll give them a brief interview. If you guys want to submit any questions to ask them, feel free to put it in the chat, and we'll include it. And uh, guys, I think that's it for our week, uh, our week three podcast here. Anything else you guys have, or should we end it here? Uh, Rob Gronkowski is a mascot still, and always will. <laughs> he, is, he is good at football, but he is still a shell of his former self. You heard it here first, Rob Gronkowski. Oh, who's what's who's going to win between you two? You're facing uh, off this week. I'm going to take Dakota to the, the woodshed. Uh, so I won't give a – I was looking at this earlier. I won't give a, uh, you know, a large breakdown of the game, but I think I win. I just – I don't think that Jameis Winston – I think that week one was a fluke. I don't think he's even going to touch that again, at least until Michael Thomas comes back. Um, we'll see. Uh I think I'd probably lean me. I might be biased, though. I don't know. I mean, Tyreek and Patrick Mahomes can always kill you. That's the only thing. Kenneth Gainwell against Dallas, I don't know. They didn't seem to get him that involved this week. Yeah. Mark Ingram is very here to miss. I don't know. I feel like my team's a little bit more well-rounded. But it's a close It's a close game, though. I'm only projected 134.99 to 127, so we'll see. I just have but, uh, to hope that Gluteus Maximus comes back and is available <laughs> to play. <laughs> <laughs> and who's Gluteus Mount? Oh, <laughs> <Sean> Watson. <laughs> right. Uh, 
We're gonna get banned now. <laughs> I'm 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 leading mine, and you know what? I'm looking at that juicy matchup of CD Lamb against that Eagle secondary. Ooh. I don't know. We'll see. I think it'll be a close one, but I'm gonna take myself. Not picking against myself. Calvin, you're going down. Brandon, I'm coming for that number one spot in the division. I'll be two on. I'll be two and one on Tuesday when we record our next episode. Well, with that, we'll end it here. Thanks again, guys, for listening, and we will catch you next week. Boys, it's not a hoagie. It's a.